Um, now, if you want to join me in your Bible, um, I'm going to be reading today's scripture, which is Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, and then John 10, 10 and 11, 27 through 30. It's also on the back of your bulletin and up on the screen. So please join me, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the Father are one. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning, and we thank you for these words of encouragement, these words of truth, that you're our shepherd, and that you protect us, and that you hold us. I pray that you would make us humble to to meet you and, and be under your protection, not to run from you. I pray that you'd make us wise this morning as we listen to Brian. Help him to preach your words just in a way that is how you'd want them to be spoken and make us make us humble and wise to listen to them. Jesus, I thank you for this beautiful day and pray that you'd also bless the small groups this summer and that all that would just be done for your glory. And Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Joel. All right, good morning, everyone. I hope you have your Bibles with you this morning. We... Um, we will finish up our short series this morning on what is the Bible all about. And uh, one of the things I've just been thinking about is, um, just before I begin, is we have to be on guard about always being in a hurry, always being in a rush, and always going on to the next thing. And, and honestly, um, you know, there's nothing more I'd rather do or any other place I'd rather be, really, than Sunday mornings here with you all, learning from God's Word, opening up God's Word, and, and asking the question, what is God saying to us? And we have to be on guard about always thinking about the next thing. There's always something to do, and just saying, you know what, I just want to be here right now, and I want to worship, and I want to open up God's Word, and I want to learn together uh, what it's about. So, this morning, the last... Uh, the last sermon on what is the Bible about, and our key passage has been the end of Luke, Luke chapter 24, where Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he says to them that the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms all testify about me. And so what I've been trying to show each Sunday is that the Bible is primarily about Jesus. It's about what he's done for us. And in... Uh, 
the law. We looked at the story of the Exodus and how God rescued his people. In the prophets, we looked at the story in 1 Samuel of David and Goliath. And then this morning, uh, we are looking in the book of Psalms and Psalms 23. Maybe one of the most well-known chapters in the Bible. I've tried to pick stories in the Bible that are well-known that we can identify with. And this one, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, really touches at the core of who we are. It is commonly read at funerals because it, it addresses some of the core needs and core desires we have within us, that God is our shepherd. Soldiers, soldiers will wear it on their helmets in combat. It's a time, it's a passage that when families come close together that they will read it. It is a Psalms that will bring healing to our lives. And so, I had Joel read this morning also John chapter 10. And what I want you to know is that when Jesus is speaking in John chapter 10 in the Gospels, and he's referring to this, that the people that he was speaking to would clearly identify this with Psalms 23. That there is a consistent theme throughout the Bible. And it's about Jesus. And when he reads in John chapter 10, and he says that he is the good shepherd, he is identifying himself with God. And what we didn't have time or what I didn't put in the bulletin, the next few verses, is that the Pharisees want to stone Jesus because of what he's saying in these verses, <laughs> that he is the good shepherd. So Psalms 23 is about a metaphor that God is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd touches something within all of us. And what I want to begin, I want to begin by this saying this way, can you identify with David? Because one of the key words in Psalms 23 is the very beginning, and it is the word my. David says in, <clears throat> in Psalms 23 verse 1, that the Lord is my shepherd. And is that true for you this morning, that you call God your shepherd? And that's that's what Jesus is talking about. And you can think about this in your own life because here's what Jesus says. Here is the question you can ask yourself if that's true of you. Jesus says this. If you view God as your shepherd, Jesus says this. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's what it means that God is your shepherd. If you hear God's voice and you follow him. Now, the, the Bible uses this terminology all throughout the Bible, that we are like sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, it's not a compliment. It's not something that God is saying, this is really a cool thing, all right? Because they are extremely vulnerable animals. If we had, and, and I'll just use our own local mountains right here, all right? If we have um, 10 rats, 10 raccoons, 10 coyotes, 10 bobcats, 10 deer, 10 mountain lions, and 10 sheep, and we all let them go out tonight in the mountains right behind us, and then a week later we come back and we find out which of the 10 have survived. The sheep are the ones that will not survive. The rats have a better chance. The raccoons have a better chance. All the other animals have a far better chance than the sheep. 
And so the Bible uses that very clearly because we are vulnerable. We are much more vulnerable than we think. And sometimes even sheep can be overly confident and think they're more secure and more safe than they really are. And so the picture of a sheep requires that we need a shepherd. And so David uses this metaphor, who, and, and as we know, David has been a shepherd in his life, and sheep need a shepherd. And so the question this morning is, who is your shepherd? Is your shepherd Jesus? Or are you looking to other people to fill that role in your life? Are you looking to some institution? Are you looking towards some accomplishment in your life to function as a shepherd in your life. We all have a desire. We all have that need to have someone functioning as that role in our lives. Sometimes we hear this. We, we hear things and people mean them as good, but they take them to an extreme that will never satisfy. And I'll, and I'll give you one example that I hear this. I hear this often. Women will say, I wish my husband, I wish my boyfriend, I wish my fiance were more of a spiritual leader in our home, in our family. And there's a couple responses to that. One, it's, it's true that men have a natural tendency being, to, be, to being passive, that, that we don't do that very well sometimes. But what we have to understand too, women, you have to understand too, is that sometimes men try, but you're way too bossy and you're way too pushy. I'm not, is that being offensive? Yeah. Right. Here's the gauge if that's offensive or not. So when, it, when someone says to me, when someone says to me, Brian, you, you, might, you might be too passive in this thing. It's just, it's honestly not offensive to me because it's probably true. It's probably true. And women, if it's deeply offensive to you that I'm saying you might be too bossy or too pushy or too nagging, well, it's probably true then. <laughs> right? So what we're saying is we all look for someone to function in our life to be that thing. And if you're putting that on your husband, it will never satisfy. It, it just won't. And if you're a man and you're thinking that your accomplishment or your role or your title and your work is going to function as that thing in your life, it won't. And as we see in this passage, we'll see the need, our need for a shepherd. There is only one true shepherd, and that is God. God promises some things in this passage that will change your life. And so this morning, when I say that God is your shepherd, you have to ask yourself, is that true? Do you want God to be your shepherd? And what this passage shows is it shows three things about the nature of God. The reason why it's so meaningful to us all, this passage, is because it tells us what God is like. It's a comprehensive, it's a complete, not every aspect, but it tells us a lot about who God is. All right, so here's how we'll break this down. Number one, it shows us that God is our provider in verse 1. Number 2, it shows us that God is our protector in verse 4. 
And number three, we'll see that God is always present in your life in verse six. Okay, so number one, God is your provider, God is your protector, and God is forever present in your life. Number one, your confidence in life is the promise that God will provide for you. We have to ask ourselves, listen, there's a lot of talk about self-esteem and confidence. We want confident people. The way for genuine confidence is to put your faith and your trust in the promises of God that He will provide. And this is what it says. Let's read it. Psalms chapter 23, verse 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And so here we learn early on that God will provide for you. And what does He provide? He provides contentment. He provides contentment. Verse 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here's what it means. Uh, maybe a more accurate translation is this, is that God will provide for you everything you need in life. God will provide for you. He promises to provide for you everything you need in life. It's not a promise that you get everything you desire. It's a promise that He will take care of you. That's who He is. Look where it shows up. It says this, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still water. Sheep need green, fresh grass. Sheep need water. And when the animal is fed, here's what happens. And here's the picture of contentment. He makes me lie down. You can rest. And I, I it, it, let's just pause this for just a minute about the connection between contentment in your life and rest. The sheep lay down. They can rest. They have contentment. What is it that steals our contentment in our lives? The idea of being content with what God gives us, with His promises. In 1 Timothy, Paul's an old man, and he's writing this young guy, a young guy named Tim. He's going to be a pastor. <clears throat> and he says this. He says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is for a young man who's starting off his life. And the idea to think about our lives of are you content with what God promises? It doesn't say this. It doesn't say it's not godliness with money is great gain. It's not godliness with sex is great gain. It's not godliness with top physical shape is great gain. It's not godliness plus the Malibu lifestyle is great gain. It's not godliness with power is great gain. It's not godliness with being the center of attention is great gain. All these things that the world thinks we need or pushes is to hammer away at a lack of contentment. It's the core of our culture. Every commercial you see is about producing a lack of contentment in your life. And think about this for a second. Read this to yourself this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not want. 
He will provide for me everything I need in this world. It's at the core of who we are. This desire to have peace and rest in our relationship with God. Here is Christianity 101. And this is, this is pushing back against our culture. Jesus says this. This is Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. That to find yourself, you must die to yourself. And you must live for Jesus. A lack of contentment is this. You need more. You deserve this. You've earned this. More, more, more. More of everything. And God provides in Psalms 23 the idea of this, of contentment. That he's going to offer you something that's more than this world can ever offer. The Lord is my shepherd. It just sounds satisfying to your soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because he will meet every need. He will lead you to the green pasture, to still water. He will give you rest. Verse 3 goes on and says this, that he will lead you besides the still waters and he restores your soul. He restores your soul. That is a picture of a wounded sheep of a sheep who is stranded, who has been abandoned. And we see this, Jesus talks about this, where he promises that he is going to leave the 99, the ones that are safe and secure, and he's going to go find the one. That's a picture of us. And he says this, the word soul here is the idea of your life, that the good shepherd wants to restore your life, that you're away from the group, that you're stranded. And we think about this for a moment. I always worry. I'm always a little bit concerned when, when friends or people that I know seem to vanish a little bit. They, they just fall off and we don't see them anymore. And it's not always a, a, a warning sign, but often it is. And Jesus says this, that he wants to restore. He wants to bring back life. He will provide. He will provide guidance. He goes on and says this, that he will lead us into the path of righteousness for his name's sake. One of the key words here, it's repeated many times up to this point, is the word my and me. And one of the things we talk a lot about here is, is community. And we all love talking. I mean, all you have to do is try to get church started, right? We know how much you all enjoy talking. At break, before church. People love to talk. We love, you all love each other. That's great. But this is a time for you to look at this, at what David writes. And he says, my shepherd. He's personalizing this. He says, he makes me lie down. He leads me besides the still waters. He leads me to the path of righteousness. This is a deeply personal relationship that David has with God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What David is saying here is that I love the Lord. That he wants to experience it. He wants to feel it. He wants it to be all of who he is. We go on and we'll see this. Next, we see that, that the good shepherd is our protector. And this is... This is um, this is where the Bible lives in reality. Sometimes people will critique the Bible and say it's just not realistic. 
It's not, um, doesn't live in reality. It just, it sets these moral platitudes that just are so unattainable. Well, I think if you take an honest look at what the Bible says, it lines up with reality. Here's what it says. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The Bible never promises a perfect life. It doesn't ever promise that life will be filled with success. It says that there's both. Here's what it says. It says there's green pastures in life. There's still water. There's these beautiful times of life. But he also says that you'll walk through this valley, this challenging time. And when you do a little bit of study, it's really interesting. One, most people don't have the time or the ability to jump on an airplane and fly to Israel. But one of the things that's unique about where we live is our climate and our geography is very similar. And here's the, the cultural context of this, of walking through this valley. All, and you can experience this on your own. All you have to do sometime is walk up um, Zuma Creek Trail. Right, right over here, just this way a little ways, there on Bush, right, right up here. It's very close. You walk up Zuma Creek Trail, and what happens is the creek starts out open, and you can see and everything you can see ahead of you and things, but as you get further and further and further up, it becomes more narrow. The canyons become deeper. And you get to this point, you, many of you have probably done this, where you can't see anything. The shadows are big because right next to you are big cliffs. And you can't see what's ahead of you. This is the picture that David is talking about. That you're walking through this valley. And one of the most frightening things or most intimidating things about this is you don't know what's ahead of you. You're uncertain. You can't see. Here's a more literal translation of this. It's a picture of rising cliffs, not knowing what's ahead, what's around the corner. It's a scary time. It's as the valley can feel as dark as death sometimes. In fact, the darkest death of them all, the darkest is the darkness of death. So the Bible promises, or it says this, and even says sometimes that God might lead you to this place. This place of unknown, this place of uncertainty, this place of difficulty. And the most challenging of all is that place of death. And here is how God protects you. Well, you're like, well, that doesn't sound very nice. That's not very helpful at all. Where's the protection part of this? Well, the Bible's living in reality, and here's the protection part. It says this, for you are with me. That no matter what happens in life, God is always with you. That is, that is the protection during the challenging times, during the darkest valleys of your life. He promises to always be with you. Let me just take this to the extreme of what, what David is talking about, to the deepest valley of death. It's really interesting we think about this. There, there's a couple things that are guaranteed in life. One of them is death. And we, don't, we think about this for a minute. We don't want to talk about this culturally. We want to talk about staying young. We want to talk about staying fit. We want to talk about staying beautiful. We want to talk about sex. We want to talk about all these amazing things, these good things. But the thing that's guaranteed is death. And here's what's, what's beautiful about this psalm. This is why it's read at funerals. There's only one shepherd 
that will walk with you through that deepest valley, that deepest valley of death. If you are finding your job, your money, your spouse, any of these, these other things that want to function as a shepherd in your life that you're looking to, if you're looking to anything other than God to be this shepherd, think about this for a minute, security, stability. What brings security and stability in our lives today? Money, relationships, and if you think that that's your shepherd, that that's going to carry you to that deepest valley of death, it cannot walk you through that. You've probably, some of you here have, have been close to somebody when they're dying. I've had two grandmas die the last couple months, excuse me, the last couple years. Um, and you can be with the person when they're dying. But at the moment of death, there's only one shepherd that can be with you. And that is the good shepherd of Jesus Christ. And that's why David says this, that in the most darkest times, the darkest time of death, he will be with you. That's why you can have no fear. That's why this psalms is about a psalms of confidence, that you can live life, that that reality, listen, the reality for all of us is that at one point we will pass over from this world to the next. And Jesus promises that he will be with us at that darkest hour that time that our culture doesn't want to talk about at all, Jesus promises and says, fear no evil because I am with you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This should bring a sense of calm to our hearts, a sense of peace. When we say these words during the challenging times of our life, we understand that God promises to protect us, that he will forever be with us. Even if our culture wants to ignore this, there is a sense of protection here. The words are simple, beautiful, and profound. Whatever challenge you might be facing this morning, God promises to be with you. Verse 5, it goes on and says this, that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so the theme continues. And here's the picture. This, the metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd continues. And the picture here is that there would be times when the shepherd would have to put down either um, wood to put down fresh grass or go find fresh grass to make um, the eating situation healthy for the sheep. In the midst of the things that could prevent uh, a healthy meal for the sheep. This touches at the core of, um, of important parts of who you are. Listen to what it says, verse 5 says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Please remember that God does not promise to take away your enemies. And the enemies here for the, the sheep would be things like poisonous plants, or things that would prevent um, the sheep from growing and living and just having a healthy life. The shepherd promises to, to protect and to take care of. 
And this goes against so much of what we want to think about. It even goes against much theology today. That we want a, a perfect, not a perfect, but that life is just going to work out. And if you don't have the right attitude towards this, I, what happens is we become very angry inside. Because our expectations of life aren't consistent with what we think. And this, is, this is what happens to us, and we've probably all experienced this. We have expectations of what it means to be, have the, live the Christian life, and they don't quite work out. And you become angry inside, you become cynical inside, and you walk away from Jesus, you walk away from the church. It's because we have an, an inaccurate understanding of this, that the Bible says that the, while God is your shepherd, there will be a valley, there will be enemies, there will be problems. But your confidence is this, that you're never alone. Think how this works out. We saw this work out this morning. Uh, when I asked, I asked, um, one of the key things, here's my, I'm going to let you into my strategy. If I ask you like way in advance, people, uh, maybe, yes, yeah, maybe, but then like, okay, can you keep pushing that back or can we just do another time? If I ask you like five minutes before, like you just, you just got to come up here and just go. <laughs> but, Here's what happened. This is true all the time. Lizzie and Tracy were like, okay, if the other person's going to do it, I'm going to do it. Right? Listen, if you're with somebody, you can do so much more. Think about even just being married. Think about, you know, this is just, this is true. Karen and I talk about this occasionally. If we're together, think about what we can handle as a couple if you are together. Financial stress kids stress, life stress. If you're together with your spouse and Jesus is a part of your relationship, you can handle anything. You know why? Because Psalms 23 says that God will provide for you, that he will protect you, and you can build your life on that. I've said that the Bible is primarily about Jesus, and it's what, about the things that he's done for you. And this is what you can build your life on. These are the things, if you want to live a life of confidence and calmness and contentment in your life, then you build your life on the truth of God's word, that he promises these things. He goes on and says this, David says this, that you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This is a symbol. Of this, let me back up and say this. this is, we do this today with our animals, right? Um, Malibu, summertime, and if we have pets and the fleas come out and you give your animals a flea bath and use all these things, this is exactly what David is talking about. They would take oil on the sheep, put it on their hands, and rub it around their eyes and their nose because just like today, if you have horses, I don't know anything about horses, but the flies and all these things that come near the eyes and the nose and all these kinds of things, this is a symbol this oil of God protecting you. This is what shepherds would do to sheep to keep them safe. And if you, um, if you look up oil in the Bible, it's a symbol of hospitality. It's a symbol of health. It's a symbol of prosperity. And that's what David is saying. That even in the midst of our enemies, that God wants to give us health. That he promises to take care of us. He finishes up with this, that your confidence is this, that in life, God promises the presence 
his presence with you forever. Verse 6 says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the desire that we have, this dwelling. Personally, I'll, we'll talk about this in two ways. One, personally. Here's what Psalms 27.4 says. One thing I ask, one thing that I seek in my life, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Ask God to make himself real to you, that he would speak to you, that he would become real to you, that you could experience God's love, that you would experience his contentment that he wants to offer you. And then we, we experience the house of the Lord by coming together as we do and worshiping. We start our morning time together with worship and we conclude with worship. Because that's, that's who we are. We want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I haven't said this for a really long time, but I want to ask you to do something for me. Will you please consider memorizing Psalms 23? If there is a passage that you need to have that you can recall at any moment, this is it. This, the Bible talks about hiding God's truth in your heart. And when I was a little kid, um, I think my grandparents asked me to memorize it. And I'll tell you, it is one of the most profound, most significant things you can do in your life is to memorize this so you can meditate on it and think about it. I want to conclude with this. I want to turn back to, um, to John for just a moment. If you have your bulletin, I think that's the... Uh, Karen, can I have that? Thank you. One of the things I've tried to show you is that the Bible is consistent, that there is a, consistently, a consistency through it. And, and last week we talked about how Jesus on the cross defeated the ultimate giants, the ultimate giants of sin, of Satan. And Jesus in John chapter 10 says this, referring to that, that the enemy, that's Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take away your contentment. Ask yourself this morning, are you content in the things of the Lord this morning? Or are you always looking for more? Listen, the enemy will get you to think these kinds of thoughts. If only I had a little bit more money, right? If I only had a little bit more, if I, here's how it works. If I can only be a little bit more selfish, then I'll be happy. <laughs> Listen, this is, this is our challenge living where we live. We'll, stunted growth, immature Christians, we never grow up because we keep pushing ourselves back to the center. Jesus says this, and here's the example and the news we proclaim. The good shepherd came to lay down his life for the sheep. That is the message of the Bible. That Jesus loves you, that he came to give his life. Remember, sheep are the most vulnerable. And Jesus takes that animal as a metaphor to show us that if you want to become strong, you must become weak. If you want to become somebody, you have to be a nobody. Do we understand that? If you want to become somebody, you have to become a nobody. You have to stop inserting yourself to the center and you must put Jesus there. 
And when you do, here's what will happen in your life. My sheep will hear my voice. You will begin to hear the voice of Jesus. And I know them, and they will follow me. And you will begin to follow Jesus. And he promises eternal life, that no one of you will perish. It's a picture of the hand of the enemy trying to steal you out of the hand of God. And God says, no, there, nothing can pluck you, nothing can take you out of my hand because of what Jesus Christ has done. I want to close, <clears throat> if you have your bolts, I want to close by reading it together. Let's stand together as a church family. And uh, if Heather and the worship team will come up, um, grab the purple bulletin, and we'll, uh, we'll conclude this morning by reading Psalms 23 together. It could be a little tricky, but we can do it. All right, so we're going to read it together. I'll count to three, and then we'll just read it together as a church family, all right? And then Heather's going to conclude with worship. All right, one, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. A cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord together. Amen.